Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic, found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Joe Firestone can be seen on The Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon and The Chris Gethard Show and heard on WFMU. Joe was recently named a new face at the 2016 Just for Laughs Festival. And if you like puns, check out Punderdome, a card game for pun lovers based on the live show she started with her father that's been written up in The New Yorker. Joe has carved out her own charming niche in comedy and frequently does so by bounding her own shows around New York City, among them the NYC annual Inner Beauty Pageant, The Unexpected Show, and the incredible game show showcase. You also can see her wonderfully weird web videos with Aparna Nanchurla on Riot's YouTube channel. So let's get to it! So Joe Firestone, thank you for bringing in the new year with me here on Last Things First. Happy New Year. <laughs> Uh, I'm catching you just at the at the end of a holiday hiatus. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you ready to go back to work? Yes. <laughs> yes. I did. I had grandiose plans to like read three books and mm-hmm. you know do thousands of pieces of puzzles, put them together, and you know try try all kinds of illicit drugs and you know go cave dropping. It mm-hmm. just didn't happen. None of it. Now, I read part of one book. Oh, was yeah. it good? It's pretty good. Yeah. Are you yeah. going to finish it? Yeah. Well, it's short stories, so it counts as oh. like a bunch of books. Right. <laughs> it's a collection. It's an anthology, which is pretty much a thousand books. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was telling... I just got back from Los Angeles myself. I was there for the weekend, and I was telling a friend that I was about to interview you, and he was excited. Oh, um, nice. Because he, along with many of us, think you're wonderful and charming and funny. And I I was explaining to him how I thought it was amazing that you, for your work life, have gone from being a big part of the Chris Gethard show, which was this underground thing, to being a part of the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, which is like the hugest mainstream thing possible. And I thought that was remarkable. And my friend said, oh, that makes total sense to me. Does it make total sense to you before I tell you why? Uh, it made total sense to him? No, I don't think it makes total sense to me, but I'm always surprised that I get any jobs at all. Like I'm, <laughs> it's always like, oh, what? You really? No one else could do this? This right. is, am I like an alternate, fifth alternate? <laughs> I always, I never think, I'm like, uh, oh, this is, I'm ready for this. But it's always very exciting to get mm-hmm. a job. And so I was like very excited to get the Chris Gethard show job and I was very excited to get tonight show job. So it's like I just a, a static level of excitement. <laughs> <laughs> well, my friend said it made total sense because they're both even though they appeal to different seemingly appeal to different audiences. They're both shows that are full of joy and mm. in in whimsy. Mm. And that, so he was like, oh yeah, it makes perfect sense that Joe would be there. This is what Naomi Paragon calls white nonsense. It's <laughs> uh, pretty much my brand. <laughs> I was going to say, was, was that what you, was Set white nonsense what you were going for you know, in the beginning? And now that I think about it, yes, the whole time it's been one 
large arch of striving for ultimate white nonsense. <laughs> One day I hope to perform a special inside a balloon. Well, you do, uh, you have made your mark already in New York City for coming up with all sorts of nonsense. Nonsense. Yes. I don't see color, so it's just it's yeah. just a rainbow of non- it's a rainbow of nonsense. It's good in these days not to see color. It's a multicolored really coat of important. nonsense. Yeah. Um, the first time I met you was a few years ago at the start of the Del Close marathon. Yes, I remember that. I was thinking about that this morning. You were? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Uh, and you were with your father. Yes. Which I did not know your full story at the time. Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh, you were just being kind and bringing your father along. I did not realize that you and your father were responsible for one of the many shows that you do. Yes. The Punter Dome. Yes. Which is do. now a game. Yes. That you can purchase we and play. A game in your home. There's a home version of yes. it. Yes. Play at home. Yeah. Uh, why, why were you thinking about when we met? I was just thinking about if I'd met you before that or if that was the first time. Mm-hmm. And then I remembered you were, you were very kind. Because it was like a real who's who of comedy, yeah. and me and my dad were definitely not who or whose, <laughs> and it was we were like standing off to the side, and it was like very nice of you to talk with us, because like there was like whatever Ben Schwartz was like standing mm-hmm. in front of a what are they called a stand, step and repeat? Oh, like the red carpet a paparazzi mm-hmm. situation. But like, what's it called? Is that called a step and repeat? Where it's like the oh thing oh where you're on a press has, line that has the brands like Campbell Soup, Campbell Soup, Campbell Soup like on repeat. Oh, the, you mean the backdrop? Yeah, is that called a backdrop? Well, I just thought of it as a backdrop, but maybe maybe for the insiders, maybe they they call the branding of that the step and repeat. I don't know. I was thinking the step and repeat was just working the press s- line. Yeah, I don't know, but I mean because a lot of times working a press line, they ask the same questions over and over. Oh, I thought it was like step. And then pose in the same position oh. so that you could get your picture taken. Like step in, like step into the pose, step that, into the pose. That sounds right too. But no, you're, I think you're right. I think the origins must because be you want to make sure that. The, but but you also want to make sure. Well, no. If you're pose, if you're posing, yeah, you want to be able to freshen it. Because if once you're a true celebrity, you learn what the what pose is, is yeah. best for your picture, so also, you don't. Have weird moments where you're looking at Getty images and you no, go, "How did that happen?" You don't want that on Getty images. That's up for the public. Right. I, I feel like a pose. I feel like when you think about an initial, as a pose is, what is it? But just the frame of the of the picture, mm-hmm. in which in the middle of an action they capture your essence. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like pose shouldn't necessarily be something where you're standing still. It should be in the mid, like in the middle of a run is it take the picture like that's your pose that's what i go for with my amateur iphone photography <laughs> good good i try to capture the moment you do yeah you have an instagram i do mm. i'm not the, i'm not i'm no king no i'm sure you have some followers that really appreciate your <laughs> posts they favorite them they comment a couple they comment yeah. you got some commenters uh more more hearts than comments yeah, listen who's to say what's better in this day and age not I, mm. but uh, certainly like growing up with with your with your dad and and learning about humor, he probably never talked to you about step and repeats or. No, that's that was a very far away <laughs> land. <laughs> um, I grew up in St. Louis, and mm-hmm. that's like Hollywood is like a 
it's like a Hollywood in St. Louis is the equivalent of like the old west in New York. It's like a, just like a fictional thing that's like nobody's ever come close to that <laughs> in, in in our town. Right. Like, and yet, well, one St. Louis is the gateway to the west. One could say that. <laughs> they built a whole arch just to They did. Just to let you know that. You know they didn't know if the arch they built the arch. So the arch is shaped like an arch for those who don't know. And um <laughs> they started at the ground, building mm-hmm. it at the ground. They didn't like build the whole thing and then put it up. Mm-hmm. They built it from the ground up. And then there was speculation that they'd done it wrong and it wasn't going to meet in the middle. And then this city would have had this dumbass monument that didn't mm-hmm. even meet. <laughs> What a, but lucky for the engineers, they did it right. They met in the middle. I almost wish they they hadn't, so then they would have a little curly cue at the top. You to want meet. that's what you wanted. Oh, I see. Interesting. That's. I thought they would just give up. <laughs> like if it doesn't meet, but you think that they'd put and an they, extra. And it would just look like ghost. antenna or yeah. bunny uh-huh. <laughs> antenna mm-hmm. bunny ears. But you know, um, we were talking about the the gateway arch. Yes. And. Um, so you've been up it. Yeah, I've been up it. How many times? Just once? Just or? once. Just once. I brought my boyfriend to St. Louis for the first time this Thanksgiving. Oh. And I felt a little bad. I didn't take him to the arch. I just drove him by. But I was like, you don't need to see this. I kind of <laughs> made a judgment call. Right. Took him to other cool stuff. He he, had, yeah. He had, did he wow. express remorse that no, he, he didn't see it? He loved it. He loved he loved the tour. I give excellent tours of St. Louis. Oh, yeah? Whenever comedians are going to St. Louis, I give them little tips, tidbits. <laughs> Do you include, like, a, a tour of the comedians' childhood homes since there are <laughs> yeah. other comedians from St. Louis? Yeah. There are a lot of comedians from St. Louis. Yeah. But, like, Hari Kandabalu just went to do Helium in St. Mm-hmm. Louis, and he was like... He was like, hey, do you know anything to do? I gave him, like, a full itinerary. It was so good. Like, if I were going to a city, <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. man. What a treat. I would be in heaven. Well, that's exciting because I've never been to St. Louis. If you ever go, listen, tap me up. <laughs> Just let me know. I'm excited. Um, but you never, uh, did you ever take an improv class from John Hamm? Apparently I didn't he was take, teaching. I didn't he take an improv class. In St. Louis. I think he taught drama oh. at John Burroughs High School. Okay. I think. And I, I, I'm taking, that's not where you went to high school. I didn't go to high school there. No. No. Um, but I've heard of John Hamm. I've seen him. <laughs> he was on the season finale of the second season of the Gethard Show, Chris Gethard Show. He was really friendly. Yeah. Did you get to talk to him about St. Louis at all? Or? No, I didn't talk to him. Oh. He was friendly from afar. Like, he, like I heard he was friendly. <laughs> <laughs> he had that look. Uh-huh. And, uh, Approachable, but you didn't approach him. Ellie Kemper, also yes. from St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Ryan Beck, Jeff Wesselschmidt, um, Kyle Ayers from Missouri. Kenny DeForest is from Missouri. There's a bu- Nikki Nick, Glazer. Nikki Glazer, Tommy Jonigan, Cedric the Entertainer. Cedric the Entertainer. There's so many. Yeah. Harold Ramis. From St. Louis. He's got a star in the Walk of Fame. And I mean the Walk of Fame in St. Louis. When you were so, when you were a teenager in St. Louis, not at John Burroughs High School. No, no. At another high school to be named later. Yeah. Um, it's funny you're saying this because you know <laughs> if someone's like gone, 
I don't mean this to sound like a BuzzFeed list, but it's like you know when someone's from St. Louis when they ask you where you went to high school. Like that's the that's the thing. It's like so you're say you're from St. Louis and I'm from St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Like oh my god, you're from St. Louis. Where'd you go to high school? That's the first thing. Oh, like whereas in New York you'd be like, where are you from? Right. Oh, what what neighborhood? How many high schools are there in St. Louis? Enough so that you know <laughs> a lot about the person after you find out where they went to high school. Oh, so where'd you go to high school? I went to Clayton High School. Oh my goodness, Clayton High School. That's what people would say. <laughs> <laughs> what what would people surmise? What would people think they knew about you, based on you going to Clayton High School? It was like a lot of preppy kids that did a lot of drugs. Mm. It was like a lot of assholes went there. People didn't like Clayton. So how were you there? Was that in the geographical? Well, I didn't necessarily fit in, but I'm. It was. It's like a public school, and that's where mm. my house was. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if it's all those types, was was show business or entertainment something that entered your mind even then? I did plays in high school, and mm-hmm. I like to like put on a little like I put I like to like I directed like other kids in the plays and stuff, and um, that was kind of my thing. I like to do the plays. I tried tennis, and I didn't I didn't do tennis so well. So then you had to do an extracurricular. Okay. So I did it. I did the plays after that. Did you write any plays? I didn't write any plays. Okay. I directed a really weird musical called Smile my senior year of high school. It's about a beauty pageant. Okay. Yeah. And now, now as a, as a grown up Joe Firestone, you do put on pageants, but they're not. Yeah. They're about inner beauty. Inner beauty. Mm-hmm. Uh, did the uh, did the movie Rushmore? Oh, click with you at yes, all? Yes, yes. <laughs> I just rewatched it though, and it is it's really weird. The ending is really weird. Do you, what did you, do you think? Remember of, the ending? The, the teacher kind of like try a little bit seduces, um, what's his face? And <laughs> it's like Jason little, Schwartzman's yeah, character. Yeah, it's a little weird. It's a little weird. But what did you, what did you take away from it when you saw it? Um, that I when you were younger. Well, I kind of I, I guess I kind of identified with the main character. Mm-hmm. I've I've always done a lot of um, things. Yeah, been like to keep busy. Well, I mean that's what. If if I were to try to sum up your New York career pre-Tonight Show, pre-Gethard, even, it would be that you, like, you, you come up with all of these things mm-hmm. that seem to be of your own mind and making. It's not, you're not trying to conform to what's already happening. I suppose so. I suppose there is something, though, where I, I think that, um, I don't know. I try to think about like what I can do with the people I know and like what the people I know would be good at and like what the audiences I know would like. And so it, there is some conf- conforming in, in that degree. But, uh, yeah, I think I, I don't necessarily excel when like you like put me in a, a format that, um, already exists. It's like I'm a little bit better going outside of the, Right, um, you create your own system outside of the system. So it works by the same rules. It works by the same rules. But it's just not a pre-existing Not very good school. in groups. <laughs> groups and, you know. So, was your, were you already, like, doing puns with your dad back then? Or? No, we, nev- we never did puns. Ever. Like, we, my dad is, like, a big game show guy. Like, he loves game shows. And, mm-hmm. like, he had... 
um, he like is a motivational speaker kind okay. of for businesses. And so he has like a lot of props around the house and he has like buzzers and bells and all that jazz. And, uh, he. To practice? No, to do with people. Okay. And to practice. And, uh, <laughs> and he, um, like had a lot of that stuff around the house. Like he's a magician and like, so he has a lot of magic tricks around. The, I mean, it's like, the, it's like, a, there's like, Toy, there's like a lot of toys in the basement, mm-hmm. and none of them belong to me or my brother. It's like, <laughs> and so he uh, he would always kind of be doing that kind of thing. And then, like I remember, he made a game show that was like the set was in our garage, and it was like the game show was called Least Trusted People. <laughs> so he's kind of always been kind of on the on the spectrum of goofy what kind of audience did the least trusted people game show i think it was like oh. some some corporate event i oh. forget what it was so there was an audience yeah there was an audience <laughs> we made a set and everything oh were you a contestant or no. what was your did you participate in no i would just see the set in the garage next to my bike oh okay yeah <laughs> did any well, did that rub off directly or was that more indirectly mm, maybe indirectly I don't know. I don't really like. I I like game shows because they're like a. It's like a fun. It's like a way to like set out, like it's a way to deliver a series of rules mm-hmm. so that people like audience members feel safe to participate and be really weird and strange in themselves. But like if you complicate it with enough rules and like enough like um, uh, restrictions, then people feel like they can be weird without being necessarily judged for it. Like, whereas if you were to just go on stage and be like, I need one person to say the weirdest thing they can, (laughs) it would be not as, it wouldn't be as easy as if you're like, this is a game show called Weird Things You've Said. (laughs) And then it's like something about creating a pretense for it gets people out of their shells a little bit, which is what I like. And also if they're in competition, it changes their their mindset to Mm -hmm. it. Did you, when you went off to... To college, did you come straight to New York or? I went to Connecticut and then I met this guy, Dylan Marin there. Mm-hmm. And Dylan and I did sketch comedy there and then we created this show together. Um, Which college in Connecticut was Went this? to Wesleyan University. Okay. And then we created this play called Ridgefield Middle School Talent Night and we like did it and people liked it a lot mm-hmm. and then we like decided to he was younger than me. He was still in school and I was about to graduate. And then we're like, well, what if we just go on tour? Like, we didn't really know how this was done, but we had just listened to Steve Martin's book on tape. And we're like, we born, can do it. Born standing up. Yeah. yeah we're yeah. like, yeah, he could do it. We could do it. And like he, his book is really excellent, but it does kind of simplify what is now a very much more complicated <laughs> comedy scene. And, uh, and we, uh, we just kind of figured like, yeah, we can do it just like him. And so then we went on the road and like kind of booked our own shows and did like didn't make any money. I think we lost some money, but how many um, shows did you do? We did like eight, to eight to ten shows all across the country, and then really across the country. Yeah, like we went we went down to Missouri and then we went to like D.C. and we went to like up to the um, what's that place called where people go when they're rich in New York and Massachusetts? Uh, not Martha's Vineyard, not. No, like Northampton and the- yeah, close to Northampton. The Berkshires. The Berkshires. We went to the Berkshires. <laughs> we went to like Connecticut. We went to like mm-hmm. um, upstate New York, Rochester. Mm-hmm. Like we went all over the place. Anywhere we could go, we would go. And then um, from there, that kind of jump started 
us both into comedy. He went back and finished school, and then uh, he and I decided we should move to New York. What kind of venues were you doing? We would do, like, anything. We would do, like... So, like, in D.C., where were you? In D.C., we went and did a show at the Goethe Institute, (laughs) which is, like, I've never heard... Is that a think tank? It's a think tank, and basically it's a venue as much as it's, like, a... There's, like, a podium, and there's, uh, like, seats. It's, like, for lectures, Mm -hmm. And we did there. We we did a lot of fringe festivals. We did the DC Fringe, uh, Capital Fringe Festival. Mm-hmm. We did we did like anything we could get into. We applied to everything, and then we started doing stuff at the Magnet because okay. they let us in through this test drive right. program. And then through there, well, you're still in college. No, I had graduated. Okay. He was still in college. Okay. And then from there, we kind of we submitted a take to the pit, and then we got onto the pit. And then from there, we kind of just like slowly ingrained ourselves in the New York comedy scene. Right. I mean, being at Magnet in the Pit, you are in the yeah. scene. Yeah. I mean, which is, I think as much as like you're performing there, but it does like, it was like, it's like a slow infiltration of like getting to know people that are also doing it. And like, cause the comedy scene, as much as it is venues, it is truly just like people and knowing other people. Yeah. And like, Knowing people that do the stuff that you like and knowing people that like your stuff and kind of just, yeah. Were you at Wesleyan at the same time as any of the Freestyle Love Supreme? No, no, I'm a little younger. And I just missed Naomi Perrigan by one year, which is so, I wish, I wish. So you didn't have the benefit of... Molly Gaby, do you know Molly Gaby? She's an improviser at the UCB, really talented. Uh, She's on Women and Men, that improv team. She's she's a delight, but she's, we went to college together. But you didn't have the the benefit of those Wesleyan no. introductions no, to no. New York. Oh comedy. no 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 <laughs> no no. They can go. Oh, uh-uh. your son so she was a freshman when I was a senior. No no no, none of that. Okay. No help. <laughs> we actually asked. We asked like so many people for help because we were we were like, what do we do? Like we literally had no idea. We didn't know anybody that was doing comedy. Like we anyone we we knew Stone and Stone. Mm-hmm. That's it. Right, Pretty the, much. The twins who perform at yes. the pit still. Yes, yes. Yeah. And so we talked to them, mm-hmm. and we talked to, who else? Dylan knew Brandy Barber. Okay. And tried to talk to her. Uh-huh, I remember. And it was like, it it was like, we were just like desperate for anybody to just tell us how to do this. And meanwhile, we're just like putting on shows and just trying our best. What did they tell you? Um. Anything that you, <laughs> anything lasting that you remember? Someone, we took someone... We met someone out for lunch, mm-hmm. and we didn't really understand like what the advice she was giving us. But then afterwards, we paid for the lunch, um. and she was like, "That's exactly what you have to do." <laughs> and we're like, "Was this a test? <laughs> this whole thing was a test?" And then like uh, one oh, you know what? One piece of advice that we got that mm-hmm. we still use today is, um, uh, "You already have a no." Like to ask for things because you already, if you right. don't ask, you already have a no. Right. What's the worst thing that can happen? You still won't have the thing. Yeah. That was helpful. I mean, I still don't operate by that, but sometimes I say it out loud and think, well, what if I did it that way? That is something I do remind myself every once in a while when I remember. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I I haven't written a book. So if I try right. to sell my book, I still, the worst thing that can happen is I still don't have the book. Right. Right. <laughs> so. Write the book. Yeah. Okay. Well, it was good talking to you. I have to go. <laughs> <laughs> now, when did you? When did you? When did you experience your first like break then in into the scene? Um. Do you remember that moment? No, it was like a gradual thing where like just getting to know people that also did it and like becoming friends with people. 
Like, I remember we saw Katie Hartman um, in the the Skinny Bitch Jesus meeting, mm-hmm. and it was so funny. We were like, this is so funny. This is what, exactly what, like, we saw them at a Fringe Festival. Okay. And then we were like, this is so cool. But we, like, it wasn't like you meet someone once and you're not necessarily friends with them. But, like, kind of just, like, seeing, like, it's kind of weird now, like, thinking about, like, when I was first starting off. Like, I really didn't understand how open mics worked and I didn't understand, like, how improv worked. I was just kind of, like, throwing things at a wall and just, like, trying everything. Well, you were bit. just, you were, you came in doing a show. Yeah. And a then fully I would, like, formed show. put on these other shows. That was kind of, like, the only, that's what I knew what to do because I did it in St. Louis for a while. I moved back. I moved, I skipped a part where I moved back to St. Louis for a year and a half. And did comedy there and worked for a while. Saved up some money. Okay. I forgot that I needed to say, well, yeah, I needed money to move to New York. We didn't have any money after that. Well, no, I was, I was going to ask that eventually, so yeah. I'm glad you bring it yeah. up. Well, so I, I lived with my parents and I worked a couple jobs and saved up. In the, for a year and a half. Yeah. And... I know Nikki Glaser did that at one point in her career too. She, I feel so sorry for. I mean, it's a in terrible, between it's in between terrible. Hollywood and New York, and then Hollywood again. She did spend like a year. Well, she was working clubs yeah, she, on the road, yeah. but then she used St. Louis as a base to yeah. save up. It's rough. I mean, I'm hope that her parents are cool. It's just <laughs> rough. It's rough stuff. <laughs> you shouldn't live with your parents. It's terrible. I mean, I'm, a lot of people have to. And right. I hope it works out for them, but it's terrible. Well. I'm guessing it must have helped having a dad who's putting on game shows in the garage. Uh, I think at that, that point that, it that had might more be more understanding. I well at the time, at the time it was more like like there's like a lot of rules. My house there's a lot of rules in my house. Okay, and so it was like me being like like I'm kind of like it was kind of Arrested Development where I was like. Like every all the rebelliousness that's supposed to happen in your teenage years happened to me when I was like 22, and I was like, "What the fuck? Like, why do we have to close the microwave this way?" And it's just like <laughs> nuts. So there's a lot of my house has so many rules. So yeah, I many mean, rules. I can't believe there's a rule about closing the microwave. There's a rule about one. closing the microwave. You have to put on you have to put on gloves if you're gonna turn on the TV. Okay. I know. You have to put on gloves. It's outrageous. For the remote control? No, no. The remote control does not turn on the TV. You have to turn on the TV from the TV. Okay. And then you can use a remote control without gloves. It's outrageous. Mm. It's... I I mean, you're so brave. <laughs> I'm so brave. You're so brave. I'm so you're a survivor. Brave. I'm a survivor. I mean, that's some white nonsense. That's right? some white nonsense. <laughs> that's some white it nonsense. Is. There's a lot of white nonsense in my house. Uh, what were your jobs? To I worked at a restaurant, and I worked at uh, I worked in the kitchen of one restaurant, mm-hmm. and I worked in this, as the front of house server in the other restaurant. Oh, but I liked the kitchen a little better because I at the restaurant where I was a server, mm-hmm. somebody gave me the nickname "little piece of crap," what? and it stuck. Oh no! And everybody called me that for a year. <laughs> this is terrible. Why would they do that to you? I don't know. It just stuck. To build your courage? To build your I don't think that they moral had those fortitude. kind of altruistic intentions. To try to like garner sympathy tips? Mm-hmm. But it is nice, though, because I, like, I still am buddies with a lot of those people that I worked with then. And that was a, that was a long time ago. Do you have like St. Louis Stockholm Syndrome? 
No. To be no. friends with people who would call you? No, I wasn't friends with those people oh, okay. at the other place. But I, yeah, I really. Oh, the, the place where you were uh, working in the, in the kitchen? Yeah. Okay. I love St. Louis. And I really do love, there's so many funny people there. And what kinds of comedy did you decide to do when you were there? I would put on shows and okay. put on like kind of concept so, shows. So still doing your own thing. Yeah. And I did it at this venue that was like this very DIY, much a DIY venue that mm-hmm. was like a store run by 21-year-olds at the top. And then on the bottom, it was like this punk venue. And we would put on shows there and involve like as many people as wanted to. Because at that point, the comedy scene was like not super established. Like there was an improv scene in St. Louis, mm-hmm. but the stand-up scene was like not super established. And so it was like getting in a lot of young people and trying to figure out what, like where we all meet and it was it was fun to see like like just a bunch of like these variety shows were like real variety shows where some people were comedians and some people were just people and like just seeing what everybody did was really cool like a real talent show yeah it was like a real talent show and it, it like did you was, charge money for those or i think no? they were like five dollars mm-hmm. a piece and like but like in st louis there at least when I was there, there wasn't that much to do. And so, like, every Sunday, everyone would go to the place that sells two-for-one beers. And every Wednesday, everyone would go to this place that's, like, you know, it's like, right. it's like you knew where to see everybody. And, like, the, New York is not so much like that. I mean, as much as you could be like, oh, I know that this person puts on a show every Friday night. Right. It's not so much like everybody's going to be here. It's so. Right, there really is one thing to do. Yeah. I, I am kind of nostalgic for it, though. I'm sure if I stayed, I would have been like, oh, I hate going to this two for one beer place. These beers suck because <laughs> they did suck. Well, you that's, why you, that's why you had to get two for one. And you had to buy them at the same time. And they opened both of them at the same time. Oh, wow. Hmm. They didn't. Yeah. That's more white nonsense. I know. <laughs> it's two for a dollar. It's almost it's almost as though the. You didn't seek out the brand of white nonsense as much as you had it foisted upon you. Mm-hmm. You were just surrounded by it and you had no choice yeah. but to be white nonsense. Yeah. Did you... Sure. <laughs> You're just going along being nice for the host. Mm-mm. Uh Was there a point where you began to think, oh, maybe I should try improv or I should try stand-up? I was taking improv classes for a while and then doing stand-up a little bit. I remember my In first... In New York or St. Louis? Uh, both. Okay. And my first stand-up show in St. Louis, I got booked on a, um, this is, I guess, my first stand-up show ever. It was like a, it was, I was booked on a penis-themed comedy show. Hmm. We had to come up with ten minutes of jokes about penises. On purpose? What do you mean? Someone, someone came up with this show on purpose? Yeah. And I did it. Yeah. I was so excited. (laughs) Where was where was this show? This was in like a fluorescently lit basement. Okay, so it wasn't a, a funny bone or no, no. This was like a completely white linoleum basement of a, like a small business market. <laughs> Sounds like a trap. It was a trap a little bit, but it was really fun. Wait, you're like no, this is a real gig. It felt yeah, it yeah. was like felt like a legit gig. I was so excited. <laughs> How many people were at this penis themed show? Twenty five people. Oh, okay. Felt huge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when you were done with your five or ten minutes of penis themed jokes, yeah. Did you think, oh, I guess I can do stand up now? No, definitely. I'm still not convinced I can do stand up. But it's like, I was like, oh, this is fun. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to do this more. Okay. Did you immediately do it more? 
I started doing it a little bit. I was doing more improv in St. Louis. There okay. was more of an improv scene there. All right. So I did more improv there. And then I moved to New York and started taking improv classes and did put on shows and did open mics. When you moved back to New York, yes, was the decision just you had saved up enough money? Or did you feel like you were ready with a plan to this time I'm going to do New York right? What no, was, what I was didn't more? have a plan. I never okay, really so had a plan. Um, anti-plan. But uh, I had saved up enough money, mm-hmm. and I was kind of, I guess I was kind of tired of living with my parents. and Their rules. Their rules. They got a lot of rules. And Dylan Marin was like, let's, I mm-hmm. think we should, we were talking about moving mm-hmm. different places, maybe Chicago, maybe New York. And he was like, I think we should move to New York. And I was like, okay. And so I was dating some someone at the time, and mm-hmm. Uh, I asked if he wanted to move to New York, and he did. And so we were like, let's do it. So the chain of command was Dylan, <laughs> then you, yeah. then the guy you yep, were dating. Yep, yep. <laughs> How do you feel about being third on the list? of? <laughs> I I was second. Like, yeah. Yeah. He was for third. Yeah. He was fine with it. <laughs> he's doing great now. You know, he's he's doing his thing. He found yeah. his thing. Okay. So And he's still in New York. See, so it's good for him that he's, he agreed. Mm-hmm. To go along with your plan, which mm-hmm. was Dylan's plan. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Did you uh, did you take classes at UCB or the Pit or Magnet or what? I wherever? took classes at the UCB, mm-hmm. and then I worked at the Pit and took a few classes there. Okay. And were you able to become part of their systems, or I did a sketch team at the Pit, mm-hmm. and then I what did, was the sketch team? It was called Big Business. Okay. And then I did a mod team at mm-hmm. UCB. Okay. And then I did a Lloyd team at UCB. Okay. So you were able to to fit in I with that framework. Eventually. Eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Did you feel like you had found your tribe of people that, that didn't exist previously? And um, Clayton, yeah. Clayton? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I've never been like, oh, this is this is my crew. Mm-hmm. Like, I've always been like, oh, I really like these three people, and I really like this one person, and I think we're this this guy and me are really good friends. But I've never been like, hey, this is my scene, and it's <laughs> and that's okay. But I do feel a little bit like a floater. Okay. Which is not so so bad, but sometimes I'm like, oh man, it'd be so cool to be part of a group. But right. then I think that's me just like reverting back to high school hmm. and being like, oh yeah. But it's I, it's nice to it, the one thing about being a floater is that you can go to some place and you'll usually know at least one person. Yeah, I, is, I consider myself a bit of a floater. Floater, yeah. It's that you know a one man band. That's you're the piece of food that got into the water cup. You know? <laughs> I think of myself more as the parsley that's oh, there for that's, decoration. That's nice. Or <laughs> cucumber at a spot. It's nice. Well, the, cucumber water. Well, if I were the cucumber, though, I'm also like helping with the eyes. Oh, I? right. I feel like maybe. So I feel like I have more purpose as the cucumber. I'm like more of like a bitters floater in a cocktail. <laughs> why do you why why do you say that? I don't know. That's how I feel. Oh. Yeah. Huh. Just like a little angry touch at the top. <laughs> Is it? Have you ever had a bitters floater in a cocktail? I, no, I stay away from. I stay away from that. That's smart. It's smart that you stay away from it. I try to stay away from bitterness of any sort now. Do you? As, as I get older, yeah. That's really nice. How do you do it? Uh, 
meditation. Is that it? I was thinking bit, about yeah. that this morning, right after I thought about you. I moved on to that headspace. The okay, I don't have that one. What do you have? I have Zen, but I don't open it at all. You just meditate. Yeah. You just oh. isn't that funny that I thought maybe meditation involves an app necessarily. <laughs> My parents, when I was very young, my parents were into transcendental meditation. Mm. No way. Yeah. Wow. Did they stick with it? Uh, they're not doing it anymore, so no. Did you feel like it was a cult? Well, they didn't. They did. They did a. They didn't have a lot of like big gatherings that they went to. Yeah. It was more like they put on incense and then told me to leave them alone for a half hour. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay. Wow. Were you an only child? Yeah. Wow. Still am. Still? They haven't had any more? No. <laughs> okay. Hmm. They consider their dog their child. Oh, no. yeah. Yeah, yeah. My brother. Your brother, the yeah. dog. My brother, the golden doodle. Oh, that's But you have a real cute. brother. I do have a real brother. <laughs> Who doesn't get petted or fed quite no. as well as my dog. He looks a little that like a dog. golden doodle, though. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um... Well, how if you have, if you have this like bitterness in in no, it's it's not or, bitterness. No, the, 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 the anger, like, yeah, uh, in anger. Or, yeah. How how would you how would you bring your dad into your fold? What mm. with the Pundernome and well, at the time it was like I, all these shows I was putting on were like give or like sometimes it'd be twelve people, sometimes it'd be forty people. Mm-hmm. And it just depended. Like I was just put I think I put on like something like forty different kinds of shows and like all of these were like real crap shoots. Mm-hmm. I was like, maybe what the people want is a penny arcade made with people or maybe what the people <laughs> want is a pun competition. And so it was kinda like this one this pun competition thing, mm-hmm. I thought maybe we'll do that. And I really hadn't thought about the format. And I called my dad and he was like, I have some ideas. And I was like, well, why don't you just come fly in for it? And he, mm-hmm. I don't think he had visited me yet uh, in New York. And he visited and he like, and he did the show. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was written up. There, someone in the audience was writing for the New Yorker. Oh, wow. And they wrote up the event. And so that kind of... <laughs> the very first time you the did the show. The very first time. And so it would kind of jump-started a, a, a following. Yeah, if you're written up in The New Yorker. Yeah. Where was that first show? Was that at Littlefield or no, somewhere else? it was at the basement of Southpaw. Okay. They really... I, they, I appreciate them so much for giving me a shot, but they overcharged me so much. Oh, no. Now I only... I see it now, but yeah. at the time I was like, sure, sure I'll pay that much to rent the basement. <laughs> It sounds, it sounds like a scene out of the movie Don't Think Twice. Oh, sure. <laughs> Don't Think Twice, Mike Birbigley. Which you were in. Yes, yes. As one of the young improv young students. Young improv students. But, you know, there's a scene in that movie where they get hilariously overcharged. Yes. Yes, I remember. To put on the it. show. Um, okay, so so then you do the Punderdome, and it's written up at The New Yorker, and your dad was there. So the... Does that just become the de facto thing now? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So we just kept doing it month after month. It's been like five and a half years. At, at what point did you consider turning it into a home game or did someone approach you for that? Mm, no, that was, well, someone asked if we like wanted to do a book. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what if we did, since it's a game right. show, we should do a game. And they're like, sure, we'll try 
it's a publisher that mostly does cookbooks. Okay. So they were like, yeah, okay, we'll try <laughs> again. And they, I think they did a nice job with the design and the box and stuff. I nice. Like the box. Uh, do you remember like the first time you, you found out that someone was playing the home game? Oh, no, but I remember I started reading the reviews, and I've stopped mm-hmm. reading the reviews. Okay. Uh, it's got mixed reviews, I'll say that. It really, it's, some people I'm think sure there are mixed reviews about Monopoly. Maybe. Well, some Mostly think, because most games of Monopoly end with someone hurling yeah, the board. Yeah, people get very upset. <laughs> it's such a long game. Yeah. It takes forever. I remember I played it once, and it took three and a half hours. So long. Yeah, that's a long game. Because I've never gotten to the place where I've used the hotels. <laughs> That's a different level. But I... Wait, it took you three and a half hours and you didn't get to the hotel. I finally got to the hotel. Okay. But then I was like, oh, this game is so terrible. But Punderdome is not oh, that long. No, but it's a hard game if mm-hmm. you're not good at puns. It's very hard. And people were very upset about how hard it was. Because huh. I think they thought it would be a little more that they would get to read the puns, not that they would have to make the puns. Uh... And it was... People, oh, I remember this one group of middle-aged ladies posted mm-hmm. a photo holding the game with one hand and with the other hands. They all gave a thumbs down. They Aww. posted that photo on Amazon. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, but did anybody find that review helpful? Yeah, a lot of people thought it was, it was one of the top <laughs> reviews. <laughs> Top-rated reviews. It's Okay. It's okay. You know, it's not for everybody. Right. A lot of things aren't for everybody. This game might be too hard for most people to play. And if so, that's okay. I mean, it, people need to learn. No, they don't. They people sh- don't want to learn necessarily, but they should. Because it, it's not... No. I think they can. those people right. can play Cards Against Humanity. Uh, you know? They got another... There's a card right. game they could play. They don't have to come up with any puns at all. Right. Yeah. Okay. There's a game for everybody out there. There's a game for everybody out um, <laughs> when did you start uh, getting involved with radio? Oh, let's see. I what I've always wanted to do a show on WFMU, and I would apply like mm-hmm. year after year, and always they'd be like, mm, "No, no." And then something happened where I went on. I got to be a guest on Dave Hill's show. Okay, and I was like, "This is the coolest place." And then. I emailed Ken, the station manager, mm-hmm. again. I was like, how about this idea? And he was like, yeah, actually, we're looking for a game show. show." And I was like, you are. <laughs> and then uh, like, I had to do like an audition, mm-hmm. and then they let me have the show for a little over a year. And then I switched to do a different show Okay, called Dedications. Oh, what's the Dedications? Is it's, that... like a, well, you... uh, it's like a kind of like... A Delilah type of show. I was just... <laughs> We're soft rock. And uh, people call in and dedicate songs different weeks. It's about different things. And, uh, yeah, it's fun. And then I had to stop it because the scheduling. And now I just do sub-ins. So, right. like, we got to do a sub-in on Christmas. I did it with Brett Davis. And we did a first annual Christmas toy review. So people got to call in from midnight to 3 a.m. reviewing mm-hmm. toys. Oh. It was pretty good. We got a lot of different reviews of toys. Was there was there one standout or, or or a trend that you noticed from from Christmas toys? Mm, let's see. No, I really wanted to hear from people about the Hatchimals, but mm. nobody wanted to talk about the Hatchimals. 
I guess no, it's not as popular of a gift as I thought it would be. Right. Do you know it's like an egg? I've heard of them. That yeah. hatches into a little buddy. That sounds like a very popular thing. Yeah, but I think you gotta hold it for a long time before oh. it hatches. You gotta love it. You gotta put work into it. Yeah, but it's like not an active loving. It's kind of mm-hmm. like a, like a slow holding, which is not necessarily what children want to do. But that's what love takes. I know, but can't they have a toy that's a little bit less real? <laughs> you could give them a Cabbage Patch doll. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You could give them a... Ca- I didn't like Cabbage Patch dolls as a kid. I thought they smelled funny. <laughs> I never smelled one. You should smell one. Hmm. They smell kind of funny. I just remember they were... They, such the hardest thing to get. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. What was the when was the first time you you decided to be part of Chris Gethard's universe? Uh he I was working at a public school and in Brooklyn. And what were you doing there? I was an after school facilitator. So I organized the after school program. So they'd okay. be like they'd be like seven people there's like someone offering karate, mm-hmm. some person offering Lego building, some person offering Golf, and then kids would sign up, and then we'd put them in groups. And wow, that's much better than latchkey. That's... Oh, because sure. That's a, yeah, so that's, that's a whole. System it was a whole. Of... It was a whole system. Yeah. This was a whole system. You got to really pick your favorite mm-hmm. activity and try to get in it. But it was. It was. Listen, not all the kids got into soccer, and people were pissed about it. It was got a lot of. It was a lot of customer service, but uh, over dumb things like. Anyways, I was, I was like, it was not a great fit and I, but I was trying my best Mm -hmm. and then Gethard and I met for lunch, I think. Yeah. And like, we just talked about comedy and stuff. And then he like texted me. He's like, Hey, what would you say if I could offer you a job for three weeks writing on the show? And I was like, Whoa. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I would, because I would have to quit my job. Right. And then I was like, for three weeks of work, then I'd have to get another job after that. But then it seemed like it was worth it. Right. So I did it. And then the three weeks got extended to six weeks, and then that got extended to 11 weeks, which got extended to 14 weeks the whole season. So it was like a very exciting um, exciting ride. At, at what's, what stage was the Gethard show in when you joined up? The Fusion. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you hadn't been part of. Mm, I'd been the a guest. I'd been a guest on the public access show, but um, hadn't been part of it. Did uh, Did you get to do any games when you were on the uh, when you were a guest? I know it was like a Colin episode okay. about the birds and the bees, mm. but it was about actual birds and actual <laughs> bees. It was pretty dumb. <laughs> pretty dumb episode. Did you know a lot about the birds and the bees? No, but it made me. It still made me mad. It mm. made me mad that I came out there and then that was the topic <laughs> well i'm glad you were able to put that aside and yeah. then take a job on a oh, television yeah. i show. really put it aside I really put that anger aside but yeah he's been really great like help he's right. been such a nice supportive person he's really great at like finding new people up and coming people and like championing them and he's yeah he's been very helpful is that how the part in, in don't think twice came about no, well, I guess indirectly. I was so his one of the other writers, Greg Doris, mm-hmm. uh, worked as like an assistant uh, to Mike Birbiglia, and okay. he was like kind of like helping with the movie um, in like a lot of different ways. And then he was like 
uh, I guess they needed some featured extras that were like the improv students and right. stuff. And then Greg was like, hey, are you free for three weeks? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, come on, do this movie. I was like, okay, great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll be in a movie. Mm-hmm. I'll Gillian Jacobs teach me. Improv. Yeah. Yeah, why not? <laughs> so it was very exciting and not expected. How how true did did you think Don't Think Twice captured the improv scene? Um, I think that it... I think that there were a lot of parts that rang true, but mm-hmm. there is something that's like, like nowadays it's, I don't think people are as like, I feel like nowadays it's a little, there's a little more, it's a little more complicated. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like it, it, like it's kind of blending different years right. of improv and like its importance to the, like, it's like commercial relevance or whatever. Like I think nowadays it's, it's like not quite quite as easy to like develop a following just by your improv group and right. i think a lot of people are trying a lot of different things because there's so many avenues like there's internet videos and there's improv classes and there's stand-up and there's shows all i mean it's like i think it would be nice if it was like people were focused on a group and it was like a group effort and mm-hmm. but i think there is something to be said that like people get plucked and that's what happens to people, your friends get plucked and sometimes it's hard and sometimes it's deserved and sometimes it's whatever you get jealous and that stuff seems to ring true. But I think in terms of like having a group of friends focusing on one comedy effort Mm -hmm. together, isn't necessarily always, it's not super true of this scene. Of 2017 as it was of say 2007. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel that as a self-described floater in the comedy scene that it's easier for you to to look at other people and in their progress without comparing yourself to where you're at in your career? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that in general it seems to be like the people that get stuff like people really work hard. Like everybody is working so hard. Like that that and that's also the thing is like with like I think that Don't Think Twice did show that like it's like these people's lives were comedy. And I think there is that is a very true thing mm-hmm. with uh the scene. Like everybody that does comedy, every their lives are comedy. Like their friends are comedy, like usually the the people you have sex with are comedy, like you like you're breathing comedy, you're eating comedy, you're drinking comedy, and it's like Pretty much everybody <laughs> deserves some recognition, you know, and so it's that's what's tricky is like that some people get more recognition right. than others, but at the same time, I mean, you hope that you don't really know what will happen, right? I with mean, anybody, but you've been since you've been carving your own path to a large degree. There's not really people to compare yourself to. No, I when, guess like if somebody if before 2016, I mean 2016, you did get plucked. Yeah. Twice. You got yeah. plugged twice. <laughs> yeah. Or three times if you count the movie. Because you got new faces in Montreal. Right, right, right. And then you got the writing job yeah. at the Tonight Show. Yeah. Which are things that probably inspire uh great envy yes. or great celebration depending on right. how your friends are able to cope with that stuff. Right, right, right. How did you cope with it before before things I think really started coming your way? Um, 
I think that, like, I generally tend to think that other people are, like, better at it than me. Mm-hmm. And so, like, when they people get something, when people I know get something, I'm like, oh, of course, that makes so much sense. And then it's like, and then you kind of think, oh, my gosh, I got to I gotta get to what, I got to get to their level. Mm-hmm. You know, like, or you, you think, like, oh, man, I got to get as good as them. They're really good. And I think that, like, that's how I feel, like, on shows, too, where I'm like, I, like, don't do so hot and then i see someone else i'm like oh my god i gotta i gotta try to get to where they're at they're so good and then it's but i think it's like i tend to to deal with it in more of like a like god you're so shitty (laughs) like instead of because i know a lot of comedians would be like god they're so shitty Mm -hmm. and i think for me like it's neither one is very healthy so when you found yourself in montreal yeah. In 2016, as one of the vaunted new faces of comedy. Right, right, right. How did you approach that whole week of, uh, kind of all like, the eyes are on you? And yeah, I, don't, I didn't think. So I many people think I, are there. I honestly don't think I can, I'm very well suited for that kind of environment. I tried my best, but I don't think, like, I, I remember thinking, like, oh, my God, I got I can't. I can't. I'm not supposed to do this. <laughs> Like, I, 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 like, I was there, and I, like, after every show, I'd be like, oh, my God, I can't believe I blew it again. <laughs> and then I, after, like, I think at the, like, at the end, because you're, like, drinking a lot, and you're socializing a lot, and you're, like, um, well, you performing are. a I'm, lot. I, I, well, I was. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I was, I'm not. And I was, like, doing all these things mm-hmm. and, like, just, like, kind of, like, thinking, oh, I like I'm really bad at drinking and I'm really bad at socializing and I'm really feel really bad at performing and I was like what am I doing and I like kind of like had this like breakdown and I like uh went back to my hotel room and like I was like you know what I'm just going to chill out I'm just mm-hmm. going to watch TV and I was like and then I got on my computer and I got on Netflix and I was like I can't watch TV cuz there's Nothing in Canada. Oh, Canada. You can't right. watch TV in Canada. The only TV show you can watch in Canada is Red Oaks. <laughs> it was, I, and I was like, I never hated a show more. <laughs> oh, I no. watched the whole thing and I was like, this show is so terrible. And I, I put, took all my angst out on mm-hmm. Red Oaks <laughs> TV show. But, but weren't you also getting positive feedback at the time? I don't, I think I bl- blacked it out. Oh. I like, bl- blacked it out. Where I was like, because I know you did well. I, well, I felt at the like, show that I went to. Oh, and this, yeah. I just I felt I like I felt like there was good buzz uh, yeah, around you for I don't what, know, whatever something... worth buzz has. I remember because I've tried out for that showcase like mm-hmm. a bunch now, and I finally did it, and mm-hmm. I was like so excited. And then like something about pressure really doesn't. I don't do well with pressure, okay. and I felt the pressure. And even though I know that there is really no pressure, no. But I think that I sometimes, I like, I think the best way to go about that whole thing is to just not give a shit. <laughs> and I think I gave too much shit. Right. Yeah. I hear that a lot with people when they talk about auditions. Yes. That it's better yeah. to not care. I know. There's like a lot of people that can like take the pressure and be like, yeah, let's do it. Right. Let's do this. Like athletes, mm-hmm. you know, like comedy athletes. And for me, it's like. I, I'm like, oh, I'll just bench. I'll bench myself. I'm gonna be on the bench <laughs> in this. Yeah, you're supposed to do the thing where, you, where, like you said, the advice you got early on, which is, I you know. already had a no. I know, and it just goes out the window. Right. Uh, so for the Tonight Show, had you submitted packets before to different places? Yes, I was. Yeah, I submitted tons of packets. Was yeah. that was that like a 
a career dream for you, like to be part of a show like The Tonight Show? Yeah, I love late night, and I like there is something like really exciting about late night in that like there you can kind of do a bunch of different formats, mm -hmm. and like you can get weird, and like it's not necessarily like beholden to like a character arc. Right. I mean, like, and that's kind of exciting to me, and that I've kind of, um, I think there's something like a like dream about like getting to that, uh, like, even like going in the doors of Thirty Rock is yeah. kind of dreamlike. Well, and the fact that 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 Jimmy Fallon's show specifically has taken the talk show format and then incorporated so many mini game shows. Yes. Yeah. Probably makes you a great fit for that. I like them. I like the game shows. Yeah, yeah. We 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 pretty yeah. much established that you're. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've mentioned getting some great advice. Um, what what would you tell somebody? Since we've talked about how the scene is so different now from even ten years ago, what would you tell somebody now in this new complicated comedy scene? Mm, I think now I would just say like try to make yourself visible like make people see you and mm. then like make people and that i think it's like a much more visual scene now like with, it, with social media mm -hmm. and like with like facebook and with instagram and twitter and all this stuff like snapchat and like i think it's like a much more people are looking a lot more you know and like i think it's kind of like this idea of like make yourself known on those platforms and make yourself known on um like, just the scene, like, being at shows and, like, being on shows and putting on your shows. And, like, I think there's something there where people are, their eyes are more hungry now. <laughs> I don't know if I would be able to do this advice. I don't think I would be able to take this advice. Social media kind of scares the crap out of me. But I think that that is, um, seems to be a, a powerful tool. Mm -hmm. Well, as long as you don't bench yourself. Yeah. I think I think we'll continue to see great things from you, John. Oh, thanks, thanks, John. So thanks for stopping by before thanks you become so. too famous okay. to to stop in. <laughs> All right, really thank appreciate you. it, Joe. Yeah, thank you. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. Theme music by Camille Harris and Shockwave. Logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Last things first. Last things first.